glad you guys are here. Now, I was up on a roof the other day. <laughs> so we were roofing a house. Oh, no, we were fixing the roofs on a shed, or the shingles on a shed. So it felt like I was up on a roof, but I don't want you to think it was like on some giant tall roof. But, you know, it was on a roof. You had to use a ladder to get up there. And so we're on the ladder. And we had this conversation because, I don't know about you, anyone here afraid of ladders a little bit? You, you see, the young, when I was younger, not so much. I would go up a ladder, had no problem. I used to clean the gutters at my dad's house, it was a single-story roof, and I would climb up a tree to get up there, and then I would just jump off the roof when I was done. No problem. I know. That's why I have my bad knees now, probably. And in fact, I, I saw this thing where it was like training for like, you know, sports to jump off buildings, and so I, I you know, kept doing it as part of my training. Anyway, I'm a little older now. I, and, and so now, like, when I go up on a ladder, I, I'm, sometimes I'm scared to fall, but it's not so much the fear of death. It, it's the dying. <laughs> it, it's the method. It's the stupidity. It's, I don't know exactly what happens when you get to heaven. I don't know if you, like, have to check in and register, you know, and, and so I picture coming up there, like, hey, you're ahead of time. Oh, ladder. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, but here, but point, we had this conversation though about generally, do you fear death? Now, uh, the average person in America fears spiders more than they fear death, um, which is kind of funny because death by spiders, that would be another bad way to go, right? <laughs> death by snakes. Anyone, some of you fear snakes? I go underneath the house when I find snake skins. You're crawling underneath their, your crawl space, you find snake skins. Anyone else just say nope and hire a professional? No, I just, I, I love snakes. We, we find nice six-foot black snakes around all the time. Oh, they are so beautiful, aren't they? God's creatures. I put them all under my house and keep them there, you know, because it keeps the mice down. Anyway, whole point of that was not <laughs> to talk about spiders and mice and things, but sometimes I go off on tangents. Uh, <laughs> that's actually a tangent if you um, curve. I still remember my math teacher, like, pre-calc, and he was, like, doing this, and like, that's a tangent, and so now I can remember a tangent curve because he kind of staying alive, staying alive. But anyway, <laughs> whole point was we had this conversation. We're talking about, and I really, I don't fear death. And I, I think in some ways that makes me unique, even among Christians sometimes, because I, I think there, 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 believe it or not, there is this, this feeling of, uh, I don't, now, I don't fear death. It doesn't mean I want death. I mean, there's some stupid things I do, which I tell you about sometimes. You might think maybe I am. You know, I got a whole slew of those. This is why women live longer than men, because I, I do all kinds of dumb things all the time. And I've nearly died a bunch of times, even bench pressing, which would be sad, but also a good way to go, right? <laughs> some of you get it. Uh, <laughs> it's funny. You tell people, like, never lift alone, always use the safety racks, and then you find yourself being crushed at night by yourself, and you're like, ah, this is how I'm going. This is how I'm going. <laughs> but it was good. Uh, anyway, but, but it really, I'm not for death. And really, ultimately, it comes down to, I have confidence in, in Christ and what he's done. And so today is actually really an exciting passage. Now, I originally was going to tackle a bigger chunk, but as I really looked at it, I was like, man, I really can't tackle that whole chunk. So I scaled it back to three verses. And some of you said, Amen. <laughs> but but there, are, there are a packed, three, packed couple of verses, and we're going to look at a passage that I think is really one of the most important ones in the New Testament for explicitly understanding what Christ has done and the benefit that then has for us. Um, <laughs> so we're going to jump in. I'm going to read the whole passage, then we'll break it down. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse 14. So then, just look at all the previous messages, 1 through 8. 
<laughs> so then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testing as, as we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There, will be, there we will receive his mercy and find grace to help us when we need it most. Uh, and so bringing it down. So then, since we have this great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Great high priest. Now, when I say high priest, take for a moment, what do they call that? Your mind's eye? I'd never heard that until I was nearly 30. But you, you take a moment and kind of, what do you picture? Now, you know, some of you, it's like, I, I don't know what you would picture. I started thinking about this, because if you've been in church a long time, you kind of know what the high priest gig and deal is, right? Like, if you've been in a, a Bible kind of teaching church, you know, some churches don't teach much out of the Bible, so maybe you have no idea what that is. But if you've if you kind of been around a while, maybe you've heard it. I, some of you picture Dumbledore. I mean, come on, you know you do. <laughs> You're picturing some dude, long beard, and uh, or his Lord of the Rings counterpart, Gandalf, because... People don't know the two sometimes. It's hilarious. There's some funny YouTube videos. Uh, anyway, or maybe you picture like fancy dressed priest with a high hat. I don't know why religious people always seem to have like gigantic fancy hats or something. Maybe that's what you picture for high priest or maybe you don't picture. I was more familiar with Judas priest than a high priest <laughs> in high school. So, uh, and by the way, they're still touring. I couldn't believe it. They're still together. Uh, <laughs> This is like, my, my mind goes into like, okay, what happened to Judas Priest? And like, I'm, I'm like studying that instead of this. Anyone else do that? Just the 1010 section and a couple people here and the O's in the middle. You, you in the middle are already off on something else you're studying right now and you're no longer listening to me. Anyway, <laughs> so, uh, but for many of us, this, this passage is deeply meaningful and it should be. But for many of us, sometimes we, we miss the true power and significance of this simply because we don't understand. So stay with me a minute. We're going to drop a little history on you. And boom, yeah, and it's going to come back next week a little bit too, because uh, it, it, it's a theme here. But the high priest of Judaism, now they were descended from Moses' brother Aaron, supposed to help people keep on track with the covenant. They're sort of the mediator between God and people. They handed, handled the regular sacrifices. Uh, then there was the Holy of Holies, where God's presence was in the temple. And only they were like the ones that got to go in there and do, and do the atonement thing. And, uh, you know, and so they made this offering for, for sin and people's sin. Now, I'm going to list all of Levitical sacrifices right now. And... No, I'm kidding. We're not going to. Some of you were excited, but the rest of us weren't. <laughs> but there's all these sacrifices, and they were like kind of the head dude. They were in charge. And so they were the mediator between God and man, in a, in a, in a sense. And so that was his job. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, here's the thing. We get a different one. <laughs> uh, and, and so we're no longer bound by that. We're going to come back to the high priest. Um, so it says here, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Now, a.k.a. grip hold on to. And I was thinking, because when I think of grip, I think of a couple things. I think of, number one, deadlift, right? Everyone likes to deadlift, right? Yes. I'm getting a lot of no's, a lot of yeses. I love deadlifting. There's nothing like lifting a bunch of weight and picking it up and putting it down, because I like to pick things up and put things down. <laughs> you know, it, it's just fun. Some of you, not so much. I get it. Okay. But, you know, or, or Olympic lifting. I love Olympic lifting. You know, on day, uh, days where it's like Olympic lifting at the gym, I just like, oh. Now, <laughs> there's something about throwing weight in. Now, here's the thing. With deadlift, one of the first things you have to learn is, like, I call it flip the grip. 
<laughs> uh, I don't know what it's officially called. It's like, you know, some, there, there's a technical term. But you can't, if you lift this way, what happens with deadlift? Well, one, it's up here. That's not a deadlift. But Richard's doing that so you can see it. But what, if you have your hands the same way, what happens? Rolls right out, right? So what do you have to do? You flip the grip. And that makes a huge difference in the, in the amount because you can grasp it firmly. Now, when you're Olympic lifting, you're supposed to hook grip, which is a whole other thing. I won't try to explain that. <laughs> but, but it's important because, uh, you know, uh, when, <laughs> when you do like strongman, I used to do strongman, some of you know. Uh, I was, used to be a large man. <laughs> uh, and, and so, I, yeah, I was bigger then. <laughs> I, I have a picture, it was huge. But anyway, uh, but we, I'd pick up, you know, the farmer's walk, you do that. Some of you guys, they do that now in like regular gym classes now too, like farmer's walk, which is kind of funny because you'd never like see farmers walking around with heavy things. They just throw it on a cart or a tractor or something. But, you know, the idea is I guess maybe you used to carry buckets or something or, you know, you're carrying gallons of milk. I don't know what. Anyway, so you, you, you grab like two things, maybe you do it at the gym. I remember the first time I picked up the heavy strongman tanks. I was like, oh my gosh, that hurts. But you know what really hurt more than anything? Because I, I already had a lot of you know, strength. It, your grip. And, and almost inevitably, almost everyone who loses that event or, or when they fail at that event, because like the event would be, you know, you get to walk across the street and back with these tanks. And so you pick them up, they're about 300 pounds a piece. And almost inevitably, people, they don't like fall down holding the tanks, although sometimes when you, you pass out, you do. But <laughs> most of the time... <laughs> This is all normal to me. This is not normal to everyone else, right? You know how, like, when you pass out carrying a large, heavy weight and nearly... Okay, okay. Anyway, point being, what, what goes on that is your grip. And, and most people, when they start strongman, I would always tell them the same thing. I was... Because I, I learned it early on. It's about your grip. And, and so there's all kinds... I had a whole catalog full of things that you do to train your grip. There's all, you know, massive things you do. There's all, you know, I got... I got hand squeeze things, you know, like, the, what are these things? I don't even know what they're called right now. <laughs> but, you know, like hundreds of pounds of pressure to close them. And you had, you had to do that if you wanted to be a serious competitor in, in Strongman because you'd have these big dudes like Jim Strong, you know what I mean? They'd be like, hey, hey, hey. I'd, I'd go compete, and these dudes were like roided out, you know, yellow eyes, just blown up. And you're just like, oh, my gosh, i got to compete against this monster. And they, they would usually fail because they couldn't hold anything very long because they didn't really train their grip. They were strong, but they had no grip. Uh, and so it's important to have grip and now in movies I always laugh too kind of another grip thing maybe you don't relate to the strength things in every movie like that's an action adventure movie like a Christmas movie like Die Hard or something where you know <laughs> work that in <laughs> but but you know uh, you know Almost always, someone ends up like dangling off a cliff or a building or something right and it's always like one arm and they're like hanging how, how long do you think you would last hanging off a building? You better hope you know that high priest because you're coming home. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> most of us are only going to hang for a, like a split second on one. You know, if, if your life depended on you holding on off the top of a building, most of you aren't going to make it. But it's just truth. You, you can be vain. You could say you'll stay four or five seconds. You could say, no, the, I, I have things to live for. I would live. You don't know. You would be clenched tightly to something as you fall. Because, and, and in that moment, you would think, man, I wish I trained my grip more. I should have listened to that sermon. Pastor Jeff was saying something about grip training, and he had some things I could use. Because, you know, you, if you, did, you have to be ready. Now, you can be ready for strongman. You can be ready for, for, for deadlifting. Uh, you know, but, but, you know, that's expected. But sometimes even 
unexpected, if you're not expecting it. Point being, though, is in life, you know, you, you have to grip. And in spiritual life is something where you have to grip. You have to train for gripping. And so you don't, you don't, you have to grasp onto the things that are faith. <laughs> and so because we have this great uh, high, high priest, we can do that. And so how do you train your grip for faith? Um, I, <laughs> you know, what can help us grasp onto belief? Because uh, here's the thing. Life gets hard sometimes. If your life is great and everything is always going well, that's awesome. But probably tomorrow it won't be. <laughs> because, not to be depressing, but sometimes life gets hard. You have periods of life that are good, but you have periods of life that are hard. You have periods of life in your spiritual life that are easy. You're like, hey man, it's great. I hung out with church people. We had a pot luck. I didn't bring anything. I still got a lot of food. Like it's... <laughs> That was the great thing about being the young person at Potluck. That no one expects the 20-year-old to bring anything to Potluck. <laughs> you know, they're just like, you, you brought like a pack of hot dogs, you know. <laughs> Everyone else had cooked stuff, you know, that was nice. Anyway, <laughs> oh, to be 20 again. But, <laughs> you know, you, you, you have to train for faith <laughs> uh, because eventually hard times hit. And, and the one who helps us hold on is the one that holds on to us. But we still have to do some work to it. Um, you know, I, I've used this quote a couple times recently. Uh, Dallas Willard said, grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. So you don't earn your salvation, you don't earn your faith by, by the good you do, by the, you know, walking old ladies across the street, or, you know, doing, you know, reshingling roofs, or whatever we're doing. <laughs> it's, it's not those, and we do a lot of that stuff. Now, some of you are going to be calling, no, we're not contractors, we just help people. Uh, but if you're online, sorry, I, we, we have a lot of projects right now, so anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but point is, you know, we, 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 it, it, you, you don't get into the kingdom by, by what you do, but once you're in the kingdom, it changes things you do. And we, we talk about, you know, Ephesians 2.10, where God's workmanship, creating Christ Jesus, do good works, which he has prepared in advance for us to do. So there's stuff for us to do. But, but I, want, I want the other side is, is there's things that you do if you want to hold on to faith that are important. And a lot of those are, and we talk about them from time to time, you know, uh, there's, there's physical grip exercise, there's spiritual grip exercise, so there's being in community and connected with people. I, I can't tell you how hard it is to bike alone. For those of you who bike alone, awesome. Is it easier or harder to bike? Yeah. Like, it's great once you get out, but man, it's hard to get out there. There's something about being in a group. And when I meet people to lift, it's a lot easier to show up to lift. It's a lot harder to go out in my garage and just throw around some steel by myself, right? <laughs> it's still fun, but a little harder to get motivated. You know, it's a community. It's part of that. It's a spiritual discipline, living in life. And sometimes being in community, people will tell you things you don't want to hear that are true. <laughs> I'll just leave that one alone. Some of you know what I mean. Some of you don't. <laughs> Uh, but, but they can be real about where you are spiritually. And, and so community is important. I, um, you know, prayer is important. And, and, and most of us, I've never met anyone who's like, well, maybe one or two people, like a very few people are like, I am satisfied with my, spirit, my prayer life. It's wonderful. Most of us have struggles and, and challenges. And, and that's, but that's a, it's a discipline. And I, I've gotten on it how many times, but I think, you know, reading the Bible is important. Now, we teach the Bible here, right? That's kind of what we do. And we get together in groups, like, you know, we, men's group, we get together, study the Bible, and sometimes I get together with people one-on-one, -on -one if, they, if they want, we get together, we, we study the Bible. But there's also this discipline, I think, of, of studying it together. If you want to grip your faith in hard times, you got to know what your faith is. 
And if you want to be changed and transformed, you know, that's why we read the Bible. Not just so we can have, you know, I got this, <laughs> it's, it's, I found it again in the attic. I don't think I got rid of it. Every time I look at the book, I'm like, why do I have this? I've never read it. It's like 4,000 trivia questions about the Bible. And it's like crazy random things that even, I don't know. And I study scripture a lot. But, you know, sometimes for some people, it's not just the Bible is like a bunch of trivia questions you can answer, but it's this life-transforming book if you let it be. It'll change the way you think and way you feel, the way you do things. Um, and, and so we need to train our spiritual grip. Now, uh, back to verse 15 says, The high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Now, um, ESV says it this way, because we're reading mostly yeah, the New Living Translation. ESV is good. I was reading a lot of NRSV this week, too, so you, you'll, you'll probably get that later in the sermon. I know, you're like, NRSV, what's that one? It's older than some of you. Uh, <laughs> but it was a really good translation. I, I, I like the translation. Um, uh, when I used to do more translational stuff, uh, it, it came out pretty, pretty close to it. Anyway, uh, NRS, ESV says, um, which is you know, another version. Uh, for, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Now, you know, he's not unable. Like, our, our high priest, our dude who's that mediator between God and man, is different because, you know, he empathizes. I, I like how, you know, he's unable to empathize um, with us. He understands. He understands our weaknesses. Now, parenting is such a funny thing. We were... <laughs> you know, all the parents went... <laughs> It's just interesting. We'll put it there. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it, it, there's time. It, it, it's, so many times it's funny. Um, you know, like, <laughs> there's times when, like, you know, I'll pick on Josh for a moment. <laughs> He'll do something. I love that kid. <laughs> love, love, love both of my kids. But it's like, the times when, you know, I really, they do something, and you're like, I totally get it, man. I understand what you're thinking. Like, you know what I mean? Because, like, you look back, and you go, it's like, they're like little mini-me's, and they did the same things you did. Some of you are like, oh, no, I don't want a mini-me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I did some things. No, but, but you know, you kind of like my, your little mini-me, they, they do things you do. And, and so you understand why, because you've been there. And a lot of us, you know, I think middle school is like that time we just try to forget. Like, that's, it's awkward, right? It's hard. Anyone love middle school? Like, that was the best years of their life? nobody has ever said yes to that but it's just it's awkward right you're trying to figure things out but it's like you know i was a youth pastor for so long and i could kind of transport myself back not like with a time machine or anything but just thinking back and i think man i could i could empathize because i've been there the, the awkwardness of it even high school it's awkward at times and it's like you're still trying to figure out who you are there's all kinds of things going on and, and so when i when I, when I parent my kids i think man i get it i, I know what you're going through because you, you can look back on it um and aside, some people just shouldn't work with teenagers. I've seen some angry people lately working with teenagers. If you don't like teenagers, like, get another job. There's got to be something. To or maybe you just like yelling at teenagers. I don't know. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen some people. <laughs> Things I can't unsee. Anyway, because <laughs> you should understand teenagers if you're going to work with them. Doesn't mean that there's not sometimes you're a little frustrated. <laughs> but but you, you, it come it, you. It's easy for me to say. You need to understand them uh, if you're going to work with them. I, I, I loved, you know, I, I've loved coaching wrestling. Uh, I like, I, you know, 
I liked wrestling was a great sport. And then it was easy to coach because I could kind of help out a couple days a week. Football, you kind of got to be there all the time. Uh, you know, uh, so wrestling, I would, I would help out and I would, a little bit with track. But um, <laughs> I know you're like, track, I threw things. <laughs> now you're like, oh, it's not Jeff's running. Anyway, uh, but, <laughs> you know, I, I, I coached middle school wrestling when Josh was uh, in middle school. I went back, dropped down, like, was helped out there. And, um, yeah, it's like herding cats, coaching middle school wrestling. And I, fortunately, I worked with two great coaches, and I was like, I learned a lot <laughs> from watching them because they, they were patient. And, and they managed to somehow teach some wrestling in, in the context of, of, of the craziness of trying to have a bunch of sixth through eighth graders on a mat, uh, trying to keep them focused on, on what we're doing at any time. Uh, I, I loved it uh, because they were patient. And I, I enjoyed it in, in part because I understand and I remember what it's like to be in middle school. So here's the thing. Jesus went through life just like we did. He was different than us in that, you know, it's God, but he understands us because he's been there. And that makes him the great high priest in part. There's a lot of things that make him the great high priest because he gets it. He understands the troubles, the frustrations, the things. Um, Why well, can you understand? Because for he faced all the same testings we do, yet did not sin. So, you know, not that Jesus shared our experience of sin, but he shared our experience of being tempted. Maybe you haven't thought about that, you know, with, with Jesus. Um, and really, one of the things that sets Christianity apart from other religions is our God becomes one of us. You know, experience temptation, experiences testing, uh, just like we, we do. And now, Jesus was tempted. Now, again, that might seem crazy to some of you. You're like, what do you mean Jesus was tempted? Uh, <laughs> you, know, uh, and, you know, temptation is not sin. Now, people often feel guilty. Why? Because they're tempted to sin. Anyone? Honestly, don't do show of hands, because everyone's going to be looking around. Just give me a show of, like, Move your head slightly to the left. And you... <laughs> Someone's whole body is going, um, that we know. Sometimes we feel guilty because we're tempted, right? But temptation is not sin. Temptation is temptation. Um, <laughs> and it, it's, it, it's not a sin to be tempted, it's human. <laughs> the battle of temptation is sin. It's giving into that desire, that sin. Now, I was trying to think of analogies for this. Um, so uh, I, I thought of a horrible analogy that you'll like it's, <laughs> it's horrible because of the you know what you have to do okay no if you were on a strict diet and couldn't eat bacon that's the horror that's the horror I know we have you know they say on the average what someone who doesn't eat bacon lives an average of seven years longer seven horrible baconless years <laughs> uh, <laughs> But, you know, if you're on a strict diet, like let's say you have health concerns, let's say, you know, you, you love bacon, but you kind of can't eat it. Maybe you're doing something, you know, dietarily anyway. If you can't eat bacon, it's not a sin to walk by the buffet and see it, right? It's not even, you know, uh, a sin to want it. It's the sin to eat it. Now, it's not a sin to eat bacon. That's a whole other thing whole nother sermon, whole nother time. <laughs> but, now, but here, let me throw this out for you too, because you're like, okay, I didn't do it. Now, Jesus, Sermon on the Mount, to, to, to kind of parallel that to here, he talks about, you know, if, if you do it in your heart, 
So it's a sin to fantasize about the bacon, <laughs> to indulge in that. I, I mean, there's, I, I'm going to leave the sexual side of it alone because we're doing PG here because, you know, we're online. No. <laughs> but, you know, even like, you know, human-wise, like you might, if you're, if you're like, okay, I didn't kill that person that I want to kill, but you're thinking hard about it, <laughs> maybe you crossed the line, right? Uh, and, and, and so the temptation to hate, not a sin, our indulgence of it, sin. And, and so when we look at things, and I could break them all down, because I don't want to get to yours. Um, I, God's told me each of your sins, and I'm going to bring them out right now. So start Deborah. No. <laughs> Kidding! <laughs> but, you know, there's the temptation, but if we, we can't play with it in our minds, and we don't act. So temptation. And Jesus was tempted. You know, if, if you read, um, I think we've gone through this passage, you know, uh, Jesus, after his baptism, he's tempted by Satan. He's 40-day fast, tempted by food. Some of you are tempted after four hours, let, let alone 40 days, uh, you know. He's uh, food, pride, lust. It's all these things. Uh, and we could break them all down, but we're not going to. But they're all things which we could be tempted by. And there's, there's a lot of symbolism in what he's tempted by. Um, we could break down some other time. I think we have in the past. Um, someone check my outline. Maybe we did it one other time. But, uh, you know, or, or Garden of Gethsemane. So when Jesus, before Jesus dies uh, for us. Man, there's some temptation to back out of that plan, right? But he's like, hey, not my will, yours. You know, uh, I, I, I was thinking, you were because originally I had two things in temptation that I thought of Jesus. I thought of a third one. Um, you're up on the cross, and they're like, well, hey, you know, uh, you said you're going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well, if you're the son of God, save yourself and come down from the cross. I'd be like, all right, so I am. <laughs> you know, I mean, if we're honest, <laughs> because that's a temptation. But, but Jesus, he, any temptation you could think of, he had. And yet he goes without sin. He, you know, he, he makes it. Um, and so Jesus felt the full weight of temptation. Now, because um, everything's about lifting in my life. <laughs> um, squatting. <laughs> Anyone here squat? Most of you are liars. You don't. No. <laughs> See, like, you're not. But in the gym, squatting, it's funny because, like, there's always some dude who's like, I squat, my legs just won't grow. I'm like, that's because you're doing eight squats, man. You're doing one-eighth of the way down. You're doing 800 pounds, but you're just kind of walking. You're just damaging your knees. Anyway, uh, but, you know, I, I, you know it's funny. That sometimes uh, kids in high school post videos like, yeah, I squatted, you know, 600 pounds. And I'm like, oh, you quarter squatted it. Uh, <laughs> you know, and then there's the half squat. But really, to do a full squat. Now, here's the reason most people don't. The reason most people don't do a full squat, it's scary. You know what I mean? And, and, and if some of you aren't lifting, some of you won't get this analogy. But if you do a full squat, you got 800 on your back, and you're dropping in, because <laughs> I know that happens to you know, everyone else. Else, But you have hundreds of pounds on your back, and you drop into a full squat, there is an outright fear and panic as you approach parallel, right? It doesn't matter that you've got a rack that's capable of holding the weight when, if you go too far. It doesn't matter that you have a great spotter. It doesn't matter that there's all these safety mechanisms in place. When you've got that weight, maybe it's just me, there's a fear and a panic because the full weight of that's gonna hit you and you don't know what's gonna happen, right? And that's why most of us don't do a full squat, 
Well, not that our knees are messed up now. <laughs> but, you know, we don't do it because the full weight is something we don't want to say. Jesus took the full weight of temptation. He took the full weight upon himself. He squatted it deep, and he made it. <laughs> uh, and, and so... <laughs> Um, Jesus did the full squat. He felt the full weight of sin on the cross. He felt the full weight of temptation, but he did it. Um, so kind of keeping with all the athletic analogies, <laughs> if you ever call me about spiritual advice, you're going to get athletic anal analogies because that's like, that's just how I think. You know, I, we like sports in our house. I don't know, like, you know, I don't even watch a lot. I just like to do things. I don't know. I just, you know, anyway, so we went biking Friday. I couldn't go Saturday because I, I had to go watch stuff. Um, and, and so we went biking. And um, for those of you who didn't realize it, winter is here. I did not realize it when I scheduled the riding. Um, and, and so we went in, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I jump in and I was like, start riding. And one, it's a lot colder than I thought it was going to be. And it's a lot windier, and I'm like wishing I had gloves. And like, the temperature looked good on the on the little app on my phone. Not so good when we, the app lies. I don't know. It was like it was like 14 below zero as I turned around the corner here. And, and, and Gertie and I were biking, and it was. I don't, there's something called. Those of you who aren't from Delaware, you notice it's kind of flat here, right? You guys from places, you know, some of you are not some, you know, there's a few places like the one hill, the, the new bypass through Dover, that's, we call those the bumps. It's not quite hills, they're kind of like bumps, but you get some sense of like, you. anyway, uh, Delaware Hills are, though, do you know what Delaware Hills are? The Mid-Atlantic Winds. The Mid-Atlantic Winds, because my gosh, it doesn't matter where you turn, there's wind in your face. Like, you're like, okay, well, going out has been really windy, but coming back, it'll be at my back. No, it'll be at your face again. It's like it follows you. And so anyway, we're going out. We're hitting the Delaware Hills, a.k.a. wind. Um, and we're, we're pedaling hard. But at points, I'm looking at, I got a little odometer thing that tells me how fast I'm going. And I'm like, how can I be going that slow with as hard as I'm pedaling? And Gertie, you know what I mean. I was, it was, I, I was just, I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fall off the bike. Like at some point, you're not going fast enough to maintain the forward momentum. That's how we were feeling. Uh, and it's not even the worst of winter yet. <laughs> It'll get worse. <laughs> now, here's the thing. I had options, right? I could turn to get out of the wind. I could just quit, call my wife. I always keep my wife on standby in case I have two flat tops. Well, three flat tires, because I carry two tubes with me. If I have three flat tires, I just figure that's God's way of getting me out of this bike ride. And there's times where I'm biking hard, and we're tired, and I'm like, you know, a flat tire would be great right now. <laughs> I, I could use the brake. Some of you get it. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> so we're, we're biking. It's like I just had this, like, oh, man. You know, I, I just, you know, what am I going to do? Now, see, analogy is here. Sin is like giving into the wind and stopping. Because the temptation pushes against you. Now, it's not a sin to not go biking. I'm not saying that. Don't, don't hear me. But, you know, when the pushback comes, you know, we have to fight against temptation. We have to fight against the wind. Now, and then part of that is, I think, sometimes you just have to embrace the fight. Because you just keep pedaling. Because there, you can't get out of all temptation. Some temptations will become less. You can avoid some temptations. But sometimes you're just going to have temptation. You have to decide, am I just going to keep pedaling anyway? Um, and then, but we should also be smart. 
You know, it's hard in Delaware, but you avoid the wind, turn to a less windy road uh, when it's not too great, which is what we did. We found a little less draft next, yeah, and we have a high priest we can draft behind. <laughs> there we go. Uh, for those of you who don't know drafting, you get behind the leader when you're biking. Um, this is probably more biking than any of you want to do. It's a lot easier to pedal because they call me the sail um, because I catch all the wind. <laughs> if you get behind me, it's like you can just be pulled. Um, anyway, <laughs> you know, we have a high priest. In fact, you know, I was thinking of, I was thinking of analogies again with pedaling. Jesus, it's like a tandem bike. He jumps on and pedals too. Uh, you know, or, you know, he jumps in front and helps block the wind. He helps us draft, whichever your analogy you, you want here. Um, but, but the point is, you know, we have to fight against temptation. It, it's a part of life. It doesn't all go away. You have periods of victory where you're like maybe not... Not, not, not tempted as much, but it, I, I promise you, it'll come back, usually at the most inopportune time. And we do have to learn to be smart. You know, there's whole, we get to do psychology about triggers and things that get you there and everything, but that's a whole nother sermon for a whole nother time, uh, or you can just talk to Kelly. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and, and here's the thing is, we can sin differently today than ever before, Right? Uh, you can go online, spew hate all over the world. Um, you know, military can send drones to kill people. I was like, how long before, like, the mafia, sorry, I didn't say that mafia, uh, <laughs> has, like, kill video, kill drones? Like, I mean, how long before you're, like, we're, like, fighting other people with drones? I don't know. Some of you don't think these things? Some of you are, like, military intelligence. We don't know. Maybe they're still there already. We don't know. Anyway, <laughs> you know, you can intentionally run someone over with a car. I would not recommend it. Just so you know, uh, I'm saying it could be that. You can commit insurance fraud and steal from people you'll never know, right? Uh, again, not suggestions. These are just things that we, we can do. You can go online and access porn in a way never thought possible in the ancient world. Here's the thing. Being tempted isn't the sin. Giving in is. Um, it's a push. We've got to push against the wind. We root. root. Uh, um, a commentator says that this, uh, which, which I liked. Although the expressions or tools of sin have changed over the past two millennia, sin's essential nature remains immutable. Hatred, murder, greed, dishonesty, lust. These stalk our human path and crouch at the door, awaiting any and every opportunity. You know, the author of Ecclesiastes, which we did recently, says this, History merely repeats itself. It's all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Sometimes people say, here is something new, but actually it's old. Nothing is ever truly new. Uh, or, you know, one translation would say, no, there's nothing new under the sun. Cell phone, new device, right? Like, they didn't, I didn't even have those in my lifetime. My dad's first cell phone, I think it had to be wired directly to the car battery. Um, <laughs> some of you remember that, right? Uh, now they're, like, in museums. This phone. Um, Carolina used my phone as an, <laughs> you know, it was like a wall phone in her, in her trunk or treat booth. Um, <laughs> you know, new device, same purpose, though, what? Communication. Now we don't even talk on them, we just text. Um, travel to the moon, new place, same goal, right? It's ex exploration. You know, we, we, we do new things, we have new technology. New technology just helps us sin differently, not avoid temptation. Um, but Hebrews 4.16 says this, So let us come boldly to the throne of, of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we'll find grace to help us when we need it most. Boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Now, the NIV and the NRSV <laughs> both say, you know, let us approach. Uh, you know, it's keep approaching. And ESV says, you know, 
adds here, like with confidence. And you know, think about the Old Testament whole high priest, for those you know the story, kind of going back. You go into the whole old holies, what did they do? Does anybody remember? Anybody know the stories? That they, kinda, they, they tied a rope to him and a bell. Because, like, they didn't know if he'd die in there. Like, I don't know, he's going into the presence of God, maybe he's going to die. Like, we got to fish him out with something, you know, That's a little something, something, you can pull him out. Uh, <laughs> that's not a lot of confidence, <laughs> right? Like, when you're tying a rope to someone in case you, so you can pull out their dead body, not a lot of confidence approaching God, right? But, but you know, we're, uh, confidence is we can boldly approach the throne of God because we have Jesus. Now, one translator called this confidence bold frankness. Uh, I like how the message says it. It says, so let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. You get to walk right up to him. You know, now today, some of us feel like, of course I have access to God, right? And if you've been around the church long enough, you kind of get it. And I think our culture, sometimes we don't think about not having access to God. Uh, but, but I think in those days, it was kind of, they would have understood, hey, it's a big deal. And, and for some of us, this may be due. And some of us, you know, you come from a religious system where you need mediators, <laughs> like you can't go directly to God you got to go through like you know like when you try to like go in to see the president of a company and you have to see the secretary and then the vice president of this or, or maybe in the military you don't go you don't go like right to like the the five-star general who's in charge of the air force or four-star I guess they force I don't know anyway you don't you don't go right to, you, you have to kind of work your way up and that's kind of like spiritually how people think it's got to work I got I to gotta work, work my way up through there. I got to talk to the right people. To, you know, but uh, in the Old Testament, you know, the Hebrew Bible, the high priest stands between God and the people. And Jesus, though, we now have free access to the Father. We no longer need a mediator. Now, it's funny because one of the kids is a friend of Josh's, and I've, I've known him. <laughs> probably, I think I've met him probably in eighth grade. But he kind of like, he's a funny kid. And he always kind of waits for, you know, Josh to do something. He's like, and then he's like, and your dad's a priest. <laughs> What, I think he's just like standing there waiting to tell this line. And I can't even remember what Josh was telling this story to me the other day. I was, we were cracking up. Uh, and it's funny because, and your dad's a priest. Now, I was like, what is a priest? I, I, know that I should know that by now, but I don't. Uh, and so I actually looked it up on dictionary.com. <laughs> it says, a person who, whose office is to perform religious rites, especially to make sacrificial offerings. In Christian use, a, a person ordained to the sacerdotal or pastoral office, a member of the clergy. You guys are impressed I use sacerdotal. Some of you didn't know how to say that word. I had to learn it for taxes. Like it was like in this tax form. You can claim this, da, 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 if you perform sacerdotal duties. And I'm like, what the sacerdotal? Anyway. I'll get that later. Uh, in hierarchical churches, a member of the clergy of the order next below that of bishop, authorized to carry out the Christian ministry, uh, minister of any religion. Uh, that's lots of stuff. Here you go. But what I think for, for many people is sort of the inference is really a priest is, again, somehow this mediator. Like, I can't go directly to God, but, but I, I kind of got to work through somebody. You know, if, if you talk to me, I've, got, I've always got some, I've got a contractor for you. But, you know, I always know somebody who knows somebody. You know what I mean? And people are like, hey, man, you got anybody who does drywall? Yeah, I know this guy, you know? Or like, if I don't know some guy, I know a guy who knows this guy. You know, I'm like, hey, hold on, I'm going to text my friend Eric and Bob. You know, they'll, they'll know who's got a guy. You know, and it's like, you know, that's how Delaware works. You know, we don't have yellow pages anymore where you open up. It's like you're just talking to people, and you're like, hey, well, have you tried this? You know? Anyway, I always got a guy. But you think, now I just got a guy. I don't, I don't got to got a guy. I got a guy. <laughs> and you can go directly to Jesus without. But, but again, we, we, we kind of feel like we need a mediator. Uh, you know, here's the thing. 
<laughs> we have a much better priest than me. <laughs> we have a high priest we can go to. Uh, now, you know, prayerfully, you know, I, I study the Bible. I, I, I try to teach you truth. So, I mean, I, I, it's not that I don't do stuff that's sacerdotal. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, try, I'm trying to drop some truth here. But, you know, and I'll celebrate communion with you. I think that, is that next week or the week after that? I, I, I see, I'm remembering. Dana's got me on a pattern and a path. <laughs> I used to, like, I remember she came here, she's like, how often do you communion? I'm like, when I remember. Uh, <laughs> I'm a little scattered. Uh, you know, and, and so I'll celebrate communion, I'll baptize you, I will dedicate your children, I do all that kind of stuff, because, you know, that, that's part of what it is to be in community, to do some Jesus stuff together. But, you don't need me to get to God. You might need me to help understand a Bible verse. That's, that's my gifting, you know, you might need me to talk about, but you don't need me to get to God. Like, not like, oh man, I need to pray, let's go tell Jeff, because Jeff can tell God, because Jeff's got like an in with him, Jeff knows that guy. <laughs> no, you can know that guy. <laughs> um, you know, First Peter 2, 9 says, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people, you are a royal priest, the holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Um, now some of y'all singing that in the King James right now. You are a good nation. Some of you were not around in the 90s. Anyway, <laughs> um, we sang that up in Pittsburgh, man. We, we, we were singing that on the bus on the 16B. Shout out. <laughs> Nobody from the 16B is probably watching. That's a bus I rode in Pittsburgh. Yeah, you know, North Side. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I feel like, you know, New York, oh, you let, you are Miss Block or something, Pittsburgh, you know, anyway, uh, good stuff. Anyway, here's the thing, we are what I would call low church. Now, I had to look it up, like, what, I've always used the term low church, but I'm like, I don't know, maybe I'm using the wrong low church. You know, there's high church, there's emphasis on rituals and sacraments and stuff. Low church is sort of not so much. Like, like I'll, I'll do that stuff for you, uh, you know, I'll baptize, we serve communion, I'll do weddings, I'll do funeral, but I'm more likely to wear jeans, not to the funeral, I, I will dress up for that, you get it once for me, <laughs> maybe twice if I do your wedding, <laughs> but, uh, hopefully if I do your wedding, you're coming to my funeral instead, but <laughs> here's it, we have the great high priest and Jesus, you don't need me to mediate, you have free access, you don't need me, now, but we do, uh, kind of before you kind of go, oh yeah, now I'm off on my own, doing my own thing, ba 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 boo bang uh, we do need each other in that. We are made to be in community. We're made to connect. And then we all have gifts. And if you're not here, your gift's not here. You know, it would be awkward if the people who have musical gifts didn't show up on Sunday, right? It'd be like, it's an awkward 20 minutes of silence before Jeff got up to speak. <laughs> awkward if you had to listen to me sing. That's even worse than the silence, right? Can I get an Amen. I got a lot of laughter on that one because you know it's true. Some of you sit over there, you're like, oh man. Some of you are driven from that section. Uh, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Can I get an amen? Um, <laughs> no, we, so we need, yeah, that's why, you know, Paul, and Paul says, you know, do not, I'm going to drop a little King James. You know, uh, do not forsake the gathering of the saints. Because, you know, there's something important about gathering. You know, but he's like, you don't need me to access God. We just need each other because that's the way we're made to live and, and be in community. Um, Charles Spurgeon said this, he says, I have a great need for Christ, uh, and I have a great need, I have a great Christ for my need. Can I get an amen? <laughs> uh, you don't want someone just like you. We want someone who can feel us, who understands us, but we want someone who has success and victory. Um, 
It says we can boldly come to the throne. And biblical image is sort of king on the throne. Now, most of us don't think about kings on thrones, right? Anyone here ever gone up to a king on the throne? No, you haven't, probably. It's, it would be weird. You know, the king of Delaware. Um, I'd like to think I am. No. <laughs> anyway, modern image, I was thinking about this, because, um, you know, I, uh, I've shaken Joe's hand. You know, I've given him a check for a charity thing, at least my parents. I remember there was a politician there. I guess it was him. Uh, <laughs> you know, and in Delaware, you can walk right up to most of your politicians. They're hanging out on 4th of July on the green. Uh, you know, you, you can kind of meet them. It's kind of different than other states. Other states, like, you, you probably won't meet your governor. You might bump into them in Dover. You know, it's like, it's just the way we roll here. Uh, now, see, now, if I approach Joe now, it's different, right? Because now he's not Joe. He's president. I would probably get tackled or shot. I'm a big dude. They're like, they're like, nah, he's gonna be hard to tackle. <laughs> just you can take me out of the knees. Later, just boom, I'm gone. Right? <laughs> Jeff's out of here. <laughs> uh, but if I approach God, I get an audience. Like we we can boldly come because when you come to faith in Christ you have a different access because we have a different high priest. He's made the way. High priest had to make the sacrifices. Sacrifice already been made. You're adopted in. You're part of the family. And so we, we, we live differently because, because of that. It says we can receive his mercy and we'll find grace to help us when we need it most. Um, this commentator said this. His name is George. So now you know. George said... <laughs> Our high priest has made our approach to God possible by approaching us. Man, that was good. He worded it better than I did. <laughs> we can approach God because he's approached us. That's the good news. Now, the gospel, I love Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, right? But, but I, I think this kind of brings out, helps you understand that what Jesus was doing there was giving us access to the Father like we never had before. And that's good news. <laughs> we, we, um, there's a there's a movie called Hidden Figures. Anyone ever see it? Anyone not see it? You're bad people. No, I'm kidding. Uh, it was a good movie. Um, it was, uh, you know, uh, John Glenn, one of Mercury's astronauts, goes you know out of his way to thank Catherine, uh, Mary, and Dorothy, and uh, the other computers for their work. And, uh, and and so this real automated com computer like spits out contradictory information, and he goes to Catherine to check those numbers personally. Uh, you know, <laughs> trusting her and her, and he, and he says this, you know, it's a little hard to trust something you can't look in the eyes. Can't look in the eyes. In other words, it's easier to trust a person than just a machine and a system, right? Um, you know, we, we dial up, you, you call some customer support, and you get all those, like, voice prompt dials, and you're yelling at them, you know what I mean? Seven! You know, <laughs> You've chosen nine. No, you've chosen hang up. Goodbye. No. Uh, anyway, you, what do you want when you're in trouble? You want a person. Yeah, we don't want to trust a vague religious system. We don't trust a, a, a philosophy. We don't trust traditions and rules. Our trust is in the person of Christ. And that should excite you. He is our great high priest. We have access to the Father through him. And because of the trust I have in Jesus, we can live differently. Temptation, truthfully, you know, sometimes it's easy, uh, it's easy to avoid sin. 
And sometimes it's like a pile of bacon when you're on a diet, right? <laughs> Can I get an amen? <laughs> uh, we shouldn't. Um, you, know, you know, we often say, um, uh, you know, we want to be dead to sin and alive to God. That's like a Christian little saying, right? Everyone hear that? Problem is, we often feel dead to God and alive to sin. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I don't know where it originally came from. I always, I think it was some cartoon or picture growing up. I think I probably saw it from like Bugs Bunny. He's like, got the cup and he's in prison. You know, and he's like rolling it back and forth. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Anyone? Was that Bugs Bunny? Is that, am I remembering that correctly? Maybe it was in something else. It's kind of like a typical thing, I think, for that era. No idea. I don't know where they get these cups. Um, I've never, I've been to prison a lot, and I've never seen a cup um, visiting. <laughs> Some of you were like, well, I'm newer here. I didn't know Jeff's full story. Uh, man, I, I, every time I visit, I'm like, I'm out. Uh, anyway. Some of you are like, go back in. <laughs> Nobody knows the trouble. Is, uh, you know, here's the thing. Jesus knows. He knows. He's been there. Uh, you know, and here's the thing. We, we, we don't need a fellow loser. We need a winner. We need a champion. He's the guy who made it. He, he's beat things that can live in, in victory. You know, uh, I, I like the idea of exploring. But, you know, because you know, they kind of go new places, do new things. But it's hard because there's no path, right? I remember one time uh, Josh and I shot a deer and it ran into the woods. Somehow it knew how to get, and it jumps over things because it's a deer. But then we went out to retrieve it, and we're dragging it, and it was like literally like, uh, it was dark, because at that point it was dark, and because that's what happens at dark. <laughs> and kind of lost our bearings a little bit, and we had to kind of go straight back to the field, or who knows where we would have ended up, right? And we were dragging a very large animal by the uh, antlers. Um, and, and so as we're dragging it out, we kind of, we just had, went through the worst, like, briar bushes and all kinds of stuff. We're getting scraped up. I mean, I bled more than the deer when I got there. You could have followed my blood trail out. <laughs> um, sorry if you're not a hunter. I hunt. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it was hard because, you know, uh, <laughs> there was no path. Jesus cuts through. Jesus makes the path. He explores. He goes, where, he goes boldly where no one went before. <laughs> Jesus was a Trekkie. That one's for you, Lee. <laughs> uh, our path has been blazed. And so he faced temptation. He overcomes temptation. And that gives us confidence to approach the Father. And it gives us someone to model and emulate as we get through temptation. Because even though we're struck, we struggle with temptation. We'll never get rid of temptation, but we also get to live in victory if we're in Christ. You won't ever be sinless, but you should sin less. Um, so whatever, you're, whatever temptation you're experiencing, struggling with, tempted to, <laughs> you know, Jesus has experienced and overcome it. And when you accept uh, that, that he came when you believe uh, that, that he, you have forgiveness of sins, when you commit to following him, you, you, get, you get to start this greatest journey you could ever start, uh, following him. And in Christ, you know, you have a God who gets you. you. You also have a God who can help you. I encourage you, come find rest in him who ultimately gives us full access to the Father. As the worship team comes back to play, um, 
want to remind you, if you, you want, if you want to know more about what it is to, be, to have faith, if you're, if you're here or you're online, reach out to us, connect with us, deepwater.church slash connect. You can fill out the connection card. We'd love to connect with you. love to talk to you about what it is to have faith and how to, to live that new life. And really, a lot of times, it's just as simple as, you know, praying a simple prayer of, hey, you know, Jesus, I want to be on this journey with you. I, you know, I, I accept who you are. I believe in you, and I commit my life to following you. And if you do that, just reach out to us so we can help you, give you some resources to get you started in the right direction.